0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Dave Stone, in preaching a message called Teaching Respect Within the Home, shared this story. He said, several years ago, our family was in the Dominican Republic on a missionary trip. If you've ever driven in a developing country, you know how dangerous the traffic can be. Vehicles whiz past coming within just a few feet of children. Playing close to the road. One night my son Sam was playing a game in his own little world and in which he would zig and zag back and forth from sidewalk onto the narrow street and back. It wasn't a heavily traveled road, but there was always loud music blaring, and it was pitch dark. From about ten feet away, I suddenly shouted, Samuel, don't move. Immediately he froze. About a second later, a moped zipped past him, going 30 miles an hour with no lights on, right where Sam was about to step. My six-year-old didn't ignore me. He didn't argue or blatantly disobey. I said freeze, and he froze. That obedience probably saved his life. Today, we're going to start a new series called Ears to Hear hearing God's voice. As a pastor, I have become aware, as many of you have, that we live in a very difficult time to hear God's voice. Besides all of the distractions of our time, and there are a lot of them, amen? Am I talking to anybody? The lack of Bible reading in many of our lives and prayer and the general busyness of life And then we also have so many voices yelling at us to listen to them. All of those things are keeping us in the time that we live from hearing God. Like the six-year-old boy and his dad in the story I just read, our lives are depending on our ability to hear God's voice and obey Him. Today we'll be challenged to hear God's voice. We'll hear God's challenge to us. Will you listen? And... We're going to learn that we're promised, that if we're children, we're His sheep and He's our shepherd, that we will hear God and we will be guided by Him. And I think that's one of the greatest challenges and promises in the Bible, don't you, the fact that we can hear God? It's been said that, you know, it's okay if you go to your, your therapist, right, and you sit down with him and you tell him that you talk to God, he'll be like, that's okay. But when you start telling him that God talks to you, he might think you're crazy, But the the reality is, as Christians, we believe the Bible clearly teaches that God speaks today. He speaks to us through Scripture, and He speaks to us through myriad other ways. He's a God that's still speaking continually, talking to His church, talking to individuals. And he, He wants us to have an intimate communication with Him. He wants us to know His voice above all other voices and to be able to discern that voice. And I I dare say we live in a time because of all the noise, all the distractions, all of the things that are clamoring for our attention, we live in a time that we need to hear God like never before. The very life of our soul is depending on it. Amen? So I want to start today with the challenge that we have to hear God's voice the challenge to hear His voice. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along in your own Bible, you can, it'll also be on the screen. But Deuteronomy 6, verses 3 and 4 says this. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. Now the them are the commandments of God. A real quick background, Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy means second telling of the law. So in Deuteronomy... Moses is at the end of his life, he's about to die, and he is gathered the nation, he's gathered the nation of Israel before him, and he's once again sharing the law and the commandments with them. And he's beginning to share the commandments with them, and in the sixth chapter, he is, as he's going through it again, he comes to this really important section known as the Shema, and he says, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you. And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So you see what he's saying? He's saying, listen, if you'll do this, if you'll hear God, you'll hear his voice through His laws and His commandments, and you'll do them, life's going to be good. It's going to be abundant. The idea of a land flowing with milk and honey is the the, the idea of God's shalom, God's blessing, His wholeness, His fullness, that you'll live in everything that God has designed for you. So he's saying, listen, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, if you'll listen and do it, your life's going to be rich. And, And then he doesn't end there. He goes into the fourth verse and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he goes on to say, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and then he goes into to more of the commandments. And this particular text of Scripture was one of the most well-known, most well-quoted, most often quoted texts of Scripture in the Old Testament to the Jews. And again, it was known as the Shema. And in the Shema, we see that God constantly commands and appeals to His people to hear Him. The word for hear, this Shema, is a word that doesn't just mean to hear a sound or to hear a noise, but it's actually to take that thing that you've heard, to internalize it, and to live it out and do it, right? And so to Shema is listen with the intent to obey, right? Listen so that you might do what He will say. Listen so that action will follow, That's what God's design and desire is for us. In Psalm 81, verse 13 in the New Living Translation, listen to this. It's a cry. It's an appeal. God says, oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. And if you go look at Psalm 81, it's again God's reiteration of his journey with Israel and how they continually disobey him and walk away from him and don't listen to what he has to say. And God is like yearning that his people would listen to him. Why? Because like a good parent, like a good father, he doesn't want to see his kids get run over in the middle of the street. He doesn't want to see them experience the consequences of their rebellion and their stubbornness. He loves them. He wants them to flourish and thrive. And so he says to them, listen, listen carefully. He yearns for his people to listen. You can hear this cry, this yearning. You can even hear pain in God's call to listen to him. Like a parent who is heartbroken for a child who will not listen, so is God heartbroken for his children. He always sees where his children will go if they don't listen. He sees and grieves over their painful consequences. He may not realize it, But when we don't listen to God and we do our own thing and then we experience ruin, God isn't up there, you know, like this. I'm done with you. (laughs) Ha ha, see, told you so, idiot. He's like we would be if one of your children went off and and left you and went into some kind of life that was self-destructive and you saw it and you're pleading with them, listen to what I have to say. My words are life-giving. If you'll do what I have to say, this is sound counsel. It will help you. And they don't. And they go into ruin. And you're pleading with them and begging with them. And then they do it. And you watch them hurt. What do you do? You weep with them. You cry with them. Your heart breaks with them because they they did exactly what you knew they would do, and you saw what it would lead to. In Matthew 13, verses 9 through 12, Jesus continues this tradition of, here, listen. He has just told the parable of the sower. Remember that parable, the farmer who goes out, and he throws seeds, and they fall on four different kinds of soils. and So he goes out, and he, he's just told him that parable, and he says in verse 9, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen, and this is profound, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Wait, what? Now, Now, let's break this down. Think about this. Ears are given to listen to Jesus. Go ahead, reach up and just kind of feel your ears on your head there, huh? Do you know that God gave you those ears? Yes, so you could experience music and sounds all around you so you could experience the fullness of of life, the beauty that comes through the ears, the senses, the, the warnings, the protections that come through the ears. But He also gave you these ears. that You might hear Him. And He also gave you another set of ears, spiritual ears, Both our natural ears and our spiritual ears are given to us to hear God's voice and do what He tells us. Jesus is using a figure of speech to appeal to people to be teachable and diligent about listening to what He says, humble. See, hearing and responding obediently to God's voice is absolutely essential to life. Now, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that I'm a big proponent of grace, grace, that beautiful, not just doctrine, but that reality, that experience of the Christian, that you are chosen, forgiven, loved, included, and favored by God. His kindness is toward you, not based upon your performance, your ability to merit. You know that's true, right? Right? Anybody in here because God said, you're such a good person, I want you on my team? I hope you don't think that about yourself because that is not true, right? The reality is anybody that is a follower of Jesus is a follower of Jesus because they have been profoundly impacted by the one who chased them and loved them and embraced them when they were rebels and running from them and didn't want anything to do with them. I want to tell you, if you went looking for God, it was only because he was over there going, come on, over here over here. Hotter, hotter, colder, hotter, right? God was drawing you. He was wooing you. He was chasing you. He was after you. He loves you. He pursues you. He's the one who leaves the 99 to find the one, right? So that's God's nature and God's character. He's after you. But, but let, let's, let's be sure that we understand grace properly, Because grace profoundly impacts us and we're secure in His love and we know He'll never leave us or forsake us and we're captivated by that love. Because of that, we want to obey. We want to do what He's called us to do. We want to please Him. We want to be holy. And if we fail, we know we have an advocate with the Father, the, the man Christ Jesus. He, he pleads on our behalf. He presents His own blood for us. And we know that's always true, but let us never think that grace says, be disobedient, be a rebel, do your own thing. God understands. It's all good with Him. That is not the gospel. And in fact, the reality is, is that when we disobey and when we're rebels and when we run from Him, we experience consequences. And consequences equal pain. And pain's goal is to instruct us and lead us to repentance and back to God. Am I talking to anybody? So with that said, if you've been given ears, listen. And it's profound what Jesus said in this text. Those who don't listen to Jesus, excuse me, those who listen to Jesus will receive more. While those who don't will lose even what they have. When Jesus speaks of listening, again, he means not only hearing what's said, but responding in obedient action to what is heard. Those who refuse to listen to Jesus and respond in loving obedience will eventually quit hearing him and even lose what he's spoken to them in the past. And this makes sense in any relationship. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone and whether it's a child or someone in your life that you have influence with and you know, you're, you're speaking to them, and, and what you're giving them is good, solid stuff, and they just, they're at a point where they don't want to hear what you have to say. And you know at that point, I'm, I, I've lost. I don't have a voice anymore. They're going to do their thing, and I have to literally stand back and let them go. It's very difficult, isn't it? You, want, you see where their course is heading. It's a path of destruction. And so you, you just have to literally, you plead with them. You've said what you said. They're like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm doing my own thing. Okay. Okay. And then, and then the funny thing is, is even maybe after you've expressed to them over and over again how much you love them and what they mean to you, then it'll come back, you don't love me, and they'll say they don't feel loved. They've lost even what you gave them. And so let's not, let's not be confused here. Jesus isn't saying, I'm going to come and take everything away from you. He's saying that the natural consequence of the rebel's heart is to eventually even lose what good was given to them. So when we continue to just refuse his counsel, refuse his wisdom, refuse his voice, eventually we come to a point to where we, even what he gave us in the past gets lost. And you'll see this with people who end up losing their faith. I mean, I've known people who had profound encounters with Jesus Christ where you couldn't deny it. And they told you, my life's been changed, I heard the voice of God, I've been forgiven. And then there's there's this point in their life where all of a sudden they're not walking with God at all. And you'll say, but what about that time? Ah, it doesn't matter. What the heck? So are you hearing, I hope you're hearing, are you hearing the profound warning of God and not listening? I hope that's what we're catching. See, God wants us to listen. He wants us to listen to him. And the story of the Bible and the story of Israel and the story of his church has been this ongoing journey with God chasing a people who are just like, I don't want, I I don't want you. I don't want to listen to you. And yet that's the only life where there is shalom, wholeness, health, thriving, joy, peace. That's the life. But they run from the voice over and over again. That's heavy, isn't it? Now, here's the beauty. God has promised. He's promised to speak to us. He's promised to guide us. He's promised to lead us. Here's the answer, the promise of hearing the good shepherd's voice. Look at John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, and I'm going to read verse 14 as well, even though it won't be on the screen, I don't think, but John 10, 1 through 6. Look at this. Jesus is speaking about being a shepherd, Look what he says, verse 1, I tell you the truth. By the way, that that phrase, I tell you the truth, is the Greek phrase. In in other um, translation, it'll say verily, verily, or truly, truly, or some of you might have something different than that, but it's the Greek word, amani, where we get amen. So he's not ending his sentence with amen, he's starting it, amen, amen, right, truly. And And when he says, I tell you the truth, or most assuredly, or verily, verily, it's Jesus' way of saying, I'm about to tell you something that is absolutely solid truth that you can base your life upon. You can count on what I'm going to say. There's no variation in this. It's perfect and pure. This is truth. So he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who, spe- who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. I like that. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. (laughs) I think that's hilarious, right? After him saying that, it's like, "What what are you talking about, George? I mean, they didn't get it. And then verse 14, just so we know who Jesus is talking about, he identifies himself in verse 14. It won't be up there, but he says, I am, oh, there it is. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Okay, so this is what happens. When you become a Jesus follower... When you become a follower of Christ, you're born of God, you repent, you turn to Him, you put faith in Christ and His work on your behalf, you, you become one of His sheep. Can all of you say, bah, okay, right? You become a sheep, right? And, and so you're His sheep. And so here are the promises to you. The first promise is Jesus' sheep recognize His voice and come to Him. Isn't that beautiful? When, you, when you're a child, you know your parents' voices right? Sheep recognize the voice of their shepherd perfectly. When they hear His voice, they come to their shepherd. I love that. If you hear His voice, you follow that voice, right? You go where that voice leads. And so so here, here is a promise. If you're a Christian, you might not even yet be able to identify that you're hearing the voice of the shepherd, but if you're a Christian, Jesus is talking to you And you have the promise that you'll hear His voice. Okay? Secondly, Jesus calls His own sheep by name and He leads them out. Jesus knows each of your names and He calls you by that name. To know a person's name is to know the person. Names are intimate and personal. Jesus calls you by name and leads you out into His world and pastors. And I love that. It says, he calls them by name and he leads them out. That's profound. I, you know, I, I guess I hadn't really clearly seen that in the text before, but the idea is you can't just stay in the pen. It's kind of like gathering when we gather on Sunday. We're in the pen right now, right? Jesus, our shepherd, is ministering to us, talking to us, working on us, ministering his life to us, speaking to us. And then what, what does he do? He leads us out, the, out of the pen, and we go into life, right? We go to our jobs, we go to our neighborhoods, we go to our families. We go to the places where there are wolves and lions, where there are ticks and, and critters, where there are thorns and, and stuff that gets stuck in your fur. And, you know, you got to go out there. He leads you out there. But his intention in leading you out there is that He will protect you, keep you, and you'll know that He is your shepherd and you're His sheep. Am I talking to anybody? Yeah. Jesus' sheep follow Him because they know His voice. One of the hallmarks of being a true sheep in Jesus' flock is that you come to know His voice. You follow Him because you know His voice. This is central to being a Christian. Now, what a promise! Maybe you're here today and you think, well, you know, we hear His voice. We hear His voice in the Bible alone. But here's the encouragement. The primary place He's going to speak to us is through this book. But He wants us to develop the kind kind of relationship with Him where we will hear His voice through a myriad of different inputs. Anybody else believe that besides me? You know, one time, um, I'm not going to tell you the story right now, I'll wait for the weeks ahead. One time I was watching, I was walking on the beach and I was looking out at the ocean and I was watching all these different sets of waves come in. And as I watched those sets of waves come in, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about a very specific need in my life that I had been praying about. And He used nature, He used His creation to speak to me. But that, that comes through time as you're just walking with Him, learning to listen, learning to observe. And the problem of our time is that so many other voices are clamoring and covering up and the noise is drowning out God's voice in so many of our lives. Barbara Brown Taylor in The Preaching Life wrote this, in Israel today, it's still possible to witness a scene that Jesus almost certainly saw 2,000 years ago that of Bedouin shepherds bringing their flocks home from the various pastures they had grazed in during the day. And they, often those flocks will end up at the same watering hole at the same time right around dusk, so they all get mixed up together. So all these different flocks come, they get mixed up together. There'll be eight or nine small flocks turning into a convention of thirsty sheep. Their shepherds don't worry about the mix-up, however. When it's time for them to go home, each one issues his or her own distinctive call a special trill or whistle or a particular tune on a particular reed pipe, and that shepherd's sheep will withdraw from the crowd to follow their shepherd home. They know to whom they belong. They know their shepherd's voice, and it's the only one they will follow. Isn't that cool? And that's that's God's promise to us. Now, Jesus' sheep don't follow strangers, but they run from them, because why? They don't know their voice. There are many stranger voices today. As a pastor, I have to tell you, I'm very, very concerned about all the voices that people are listening to in the time we live. Many voices are masquerading as voices of good and righteousness, but they are voices of agitation and deception. Share a quick story here. And I would tell you who the source was, but it's an unknown source. But it's a father talking about his son, and he says this. A few summers ago, I watched our 18-year-old son participate in a real X-ball paintball tournament. With sophisticated paintball guns that shoot 13 paintballs per second, the matches are quick and exciting. Yeah, that sounds exciting, right? Some of you have done that. Go home with like 50 welts on your body. That doesn't sound exciting. That sounds crazy. They're also very chaotic matches. The X-Ball concept depends on five players from each team shooting at their opponents and working their way up a large outdoor field. The goal is to kill, that is, hit with a paintball, the other team's players and capture their flag. But it's not an easy task. The main problem is that in the midst of thousands of flying paintballs, it's tough to spot your opponents. The other team can crouch and dive behind bunkers and barriers. And then to make matters even worse, as your team's coach shouts the right information about your opponent's locations, the other team's fans start yelling false information. Ooh! When I heard the other fans intentionally confusing my son's teammates, I was shocked. It sounded like cheating to me, or at least incivility. But after the match, my son calmly informed me, oh, yeah. That's called counter-coaching. They're trying to distract our players with false information. It's part of the game, Dad. We have to deal with it all the time. It just means that we have to focus on our coach and block out all the other distractions. The Bible clearly warns us that it's not easy to listen for God's voice. There will be plenty of counter-coaching from the culture, the devil, and from our own distracted hearts. As my son said, that's part of the game. We have to deal with it all the time. And there's only one way to combat combat spiritual counter-coaching, and that is to know the voice of Jesus hanging on every word as we trust and obey Him, even when the coach tells us to do something else. Now, I want you to think about something as I close here. I'm going to give you four counter-coaching voices in our culture that really concerned me. And I want you to ask yourself the question, are you listening to the voice of Jesus or are you listening to these other voices? And obviously, the list could be much longer than this, but here are four counter-coaching voices that I see that are really distracting God's people in the time that we live. The first one is news personalities, news personalities. I'm really concerned about how much influence certain news personalities are having over the lives of some of God's people. When you listen to what news personalities say more than what the scriptures say about life and conduct, something is wrong. Beware lest you lose this ability to hear God because you you put more authority in what your favorite pundit says than you do in God's word. I see people like hanging on, you know, this particular news person and they post it on social media. He's saying this and that is happening. And I'm like, when's the last time you read your Bible? When's the last time you spent any time in prayer? When's the last time you just shut the TV off? Right? Secondly, TV, movie, music, and sports personalities. Right? The influence and the voice of those who entertain us has become scary. Often we trust what some athlete or TV personality says over what Scripture or trustworthy people in our lives have to say. How do they align with Jesus? Right? That's the question. How do they align with Jesus? I mean, look, everybody has a right to an opinion. It's been said, right, that opinions are like noses. Everybody has one, right? It's been said that. But the reality is, is that a lot of opinions out there and a lot of counsel out there and a lot of things that are being said, they're bunk and they're not healthy. And, and if we listen to them too much, they're going to poison the well inside of us. I'll tell you what they're definitely not going to do is lead you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ. And isn't that our goal? Right, right. Or here's a big one, especially for the younger generation, social media influencers. The younger generation especially take their cues from social media influencers who can lead toward Christ, some of them do, or can lead people very far away from Him. I keep up with some influencers out there in social media, and some of them are saying and doing some stuff that you'd be shocked at. Some of you parents in the room, if you knew the stuff that your young people were watching or listening to, and what was being said to them, and the value system that was being expressed, and the things they're being exposed to in, in what seemed like innocent places, if you saw the stuff that is coming into their minds and coming to them, you'd be shocked. And yet, I know some people who live for social media influence. And what, what's sad here is when you begin to look at this list I've compiled, it's very generational. News personalities, I'm going to tell you something, probably if you're under about 40, you don't even watch the news, <laughs> right? Most, most people, right? And if, yet if you're younger, you're going to take your cues from social media. And we have to understand that both sources You know, sometimes the older generation is like, yeah, those kids and their social media and the problem with their phones and all that. And then I look around and the people I see on their phones driving the most aren't youth. They're adults. Really? You can't pull yourself away from the phone long enough to... You're going to kill us. Get off your phone. You're going to kill us all. That text message, that private message is not that important. Put it down. It's poison. It's poison. I'm not talking to anybody in this room. I know you're all really <laughs> holy people. And the last one, and this one's kind of, kind of become very real to me, and that is religious personalities. Many YouTube preachers, TV preachers, and teachers, they're doing a good work. Some of them are. But some are really misrepresenting Jesus. And misrepre- <laughs> that's all, folks misrepresenting his gospel in very dangerous ways. Some are preaching a gospel of health, wealth, personal success, and comfort. If you follow Jesus, you'll have it all. And then others are going the other way and basically saying, we have the truth, everybody else is wrong, come join our little online group and we'll lead you and guide you into all the truth. Both errors are wrong. Everybody And and those ones are usually angry and they're calling out the institutional church and saying it's all evil and it's all bad and nobody's speaking the truth. And I want to tell you what, out there in internet world, cyberspace, it is a mess. Be careful. There's a lot of poison out there. And that's why it's so beautiful when you can shut it off, shut it out, get alone, don't take your phone with you, open scripture, Get down before God and say, I'm here, Lord. I love you. Talk to me. Meet with me. And don't tell me you you don't have enough time. People who say they don't have enough time for a devotional life, I would say 90% of them at least have plenty of time for their favorite television programs or social media sites. I heard one preacher say, when we stand before the Lord, social media and our phones is going to, are going to judge us as we say, but I didn't have time. And God goes, oh yeah, let me show you how much time you spent on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. I just want to make sure I covered all the generations, right? Okay. So, what's the answer? And by the way, in the weeks ahead, we're gonna really talk about what it means to hear God's voice. But the the answer is God's voice. And you can't, I shouldn't say can't. Most often, you're not gonna hear God clearly if your life is completely full of noise and yelling and anger and weird stuff and whoa and put something on. You see what I'm saying? Okay. I'll end with this text, John 10, 16. Look at this. I have other sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. Remember, Jesus is talking to His disciples and the people with Him. And then He says, I must bring them also. They will listen to My voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Do you know who those other sheep are? You and me. Gentiles, exactly. The Gentile believers... And Jews, too, who, who would follow in remnant. But the Gentiles through all history, all the believers through 21 centuries of following Jesus, they're the other sheep, and that includes you and me. And what's, what's, here's the promise. Listen to what it says. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. They will listen to my voice. How many of you want to hear his voice? Come on, I want to tell you, when I became a new Christian... I'll never forget one of the first times I experienced knowing that I'd heard God's voice. It was one of the most exciting, thrilling things that ever happened to me. I had to have other people help me realize that's what just happened. I'm like, I, whoa, something just, I, I got this impression and blah, you know, I was reading the Bible and, and, and other people said, oh, you know what? You heard God speak to you. <gasps> Is that what that was? Whoa, I want more of that. How many of you want to hear God more? What a promise, huh?